I'm Richard Brown, Chairman and CEO of JMBA Financial Advisors in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We're recording this discussion on January 11th, 2023. I'm with three senior members of our investment committee, Michael Balada and John Foster, both senior advisors and investment strategists, along with David Webb, JMBA's Director of Investment Management. 2022 was a frustrating year for investors with negative returns across almost all asset classes. Bonds were down and equities were even worse. So Mike, what happened and what led us to where we are today? Yeah, thank you, Richard. It, it certainly was a test of people's resolve in 2022 as we were experiencing some issues that we hadn't in decades and then issues in combination with each other that had never be, been seen before. Uh, first of all, I have to, there's a quote that I couldn't resist. It was from one of our colleagues at, uh, at NDR, Ed Clissold. He stated, most investors would say that in 2022, managing portfolios felt like parenting an infant. They needed constant monitoring, wild swings were absolutely exhausting, and they had to keep reminding themselves that it would eventually pay off in a few years. Uh, despite the long days, 2022 felt like it was over before we knew it. Now, I don't know about that last part, but I certainly can agree with the first couple of points before it. Uh, we did have a very you know, interesting year, a very trying year, and it was as a result of a, a few different items that had been you know, coming about over the last couple of years, the first being the fastest inflation that we've seen in decades. Uh, and as a result of that, then the fastest pace of interest rate hikes by the Federal Reserve that we saw in decades, mix in a global conflict between Russia and Ukraine and bringing in other countries around the world and certainly in Europe, a conflict that we hadn't seen the likes of since the Gulf War. And all of that really led to the perfect storm of uncertainty, of you know people trying to position around this type of environment, and again, not really having a playbook to deal with. Uh, and that, ex of course, extended into the equity and bond markets and, and volatility. So this was all something that the market was trying to respond to in a quick fashion. It caused dislocations in the financial markets, any long duration assets, think you know, intermediate to long-term bonds, think technology stocks. They really got punished as a result of this extreme rise in interest rates in a very short amount of time. And then that, of course, led to the financial markets. Uh, you know, 2022 was only the sixth time since 1926 that both the S&P 500 here in the U.S. and the aggregate bond index declined in the same year. It was the only time in history where they fell by at least 10 percent. So we had the S&P 500 down 18 percent on a total return basis, the worst year since 2008, the sixth worst year on record. Bonds were down by a little over 13%, by far their worst year on record by a long shot. And as a result, you can extrapolate then, well, a diversified portfolio, 60-40 stocks, bonds, didn't fare very well either. And the performance, once all was said and done, and I'm generalizing a little bit based on allocation, was that a six, the average 60-40 portfolio fell 16% on the year, all so it's worst since 2008 and the fourth worst year on record. 
all things considered at the end of the day, end of the year, it was, uh, it proved to be very challenging uh, in a number of areas. Thanks, Mike. Challenging indeed. So let's move forward. As we look forward, what are a few key issues we expect will impact financial markets behaviors in 2023? Richard, I think that's a great question. And, and I think a lot of investors right now, as they're reflecting back on last year and looking ahead, are stuck somewhere between um, hope and fear. So we do know that markets tend to lead the economy. And as such, you know, one might surmise that this year could be a rather bleak year for economic growth. That's what we're expecting today as we're looking at a lot of economic indicators, whether it's um, new job creation, which seems to be slowing. If we're looking at the services sector, which has now entered into contraction after 30 months, if we're looking at other leading economic indicators, there's an inverted yield curve out there. A lot of these signs portend that a recession is very probable. The odds are certainly probably greater than half. And uh, there is a small chance that, you know, the Fed does thread the needle and we get a soft economic landing. Um, but I think investors should steal themselves for a year where the headline news might not be all that great uh, as it relates to um, economic growth. So this matters really in, in a couple of different ways. <clears throat> I'd say the two things that investors need to be focused on for 2023, the economy, because the, the opportunity to create a robust stream of earnings is somewhat dependent on aggregate uh, growth in, in demand. And, and so if we see the economy sort of not fall off a cliff, uh, then earnings might hang in there fairly well. Uh, the Fed also matters quite a bit uh, because the Fed determines the interest rate at which those, those earnings are discounted back to arrive at a sensible valuation for the market. So as it relates to the economy, we're watching um, earnings very closely this year. I think the market is expecting margins to come in for a lot of companies that have had to deal with rising cost pressures and now are starting to see slow in demand. Um, and so uh, this does matter quite a bit because even though stocks are discounted, they're not yet cheap. So uh, that's one thing for, for investors to watch. I think Q4 earnings, which start pretty much at the tail end of this week and go for several weeks into this quarter, uh, will be very um, interesting to follow. The second thing is the Fed, as I mentioned. And, and right now, the Fed is becoming a little bit less hawkish, but they're still hawkish. And they've talked about holding rates at elevated levels. And I think what the Fed is waiting to see is for the labor market to crack a little bit where there, there might not, you know, the Fed doesn't want mass layoffs or anything to that extent, but they do want to see wage inflation come down. And an, an ideal scenario that would set us up for a soft landing would be um, job growth decelerates, but doesn't turn negative and wage growth comes in. And wage growth has been decelerating for some time. Uh, job creation is still very healthy. So overall, as we look at the labor market, we're a long ways away from maybe where um, the, the weakness would be significant enough for the Fed to pause, but it's moving in the right direction, which I think is key because it gives the Fed the ability to move a little bit slower and be a bit more data dependent as we move into the back half of this year. The last thing I'll mention, as you can see in the chart here, a recession, uh, if it does come to pass, could mean a break of the lows in the first half, followed by a sharp rebound. <clears throat> Whereas if we don't have a recession, then that clearly means, you know, investors are probably going to see a stronger first half and less volatility. And that's what you see in the blue line there. So 
We'll be watching earnings. We'll be watching the labor market very closely. And all is not lost. Um, you know, as we've reflected a lot on 2022, we had a modestly growing economy. Um, there were a lot of positives. Um, you know, China is now reopening. Uh, it's the world's second largest economy, and those, those consumers haven't spent anything for the last three years. The labor market uh, is starting uh, at a very good position with unemployment and generational lows. So um, if you think about how bad the markets were last year with the backdrop of a fairly good economy, this year might be one of those things where the economy isn't so hot, but it doesn't mean that stocks might have a terrible year. I think investors just have to be prudent and disciplined and objective with uh, regards to how they deploy capital. Thanks, David, for sharing those insights. And yes, we will be watching. Okay, so the probability of a recession, or at the very least, an economic slowdown appears to be rising. John, most investors might ask, if that's the case, why not just avoid stocks and hide out in bonds and cash? Yeah, Richard, I think that's a reasonable uh, question, certainly for investors to ask, you know, why not uh, just hide out in bonds and cash if it does appear that a recession uh, is on the horizon? And certainly, you know, I think this year, entering the year, it's the exact opposite of last year. If you think back to the beginning of 2022, there was a lot of optimism about equities and really that optimism faded quickly. Uh, you know, we spent the bulk of 2022 underweight stocks are having a little bit less than equities uh, after a full year in 2021 where we had uh, been in an overweight position or holding extra stocks. Right now in 2023, we're really kind of going from, you know, underweight uh, for the last 11 months uh, of 2022 and kind of moving equities up to what we call kind of a neutral stance. And there's a few reasons for that, why we're getting a little bit more constructive about stocks. You know, first, both Mike and David mentioned that it looks like inflation has likely peaked. And the two big concerns last year were really inflation and rising interest rates. And as inflation is likely to peak and the, the employment market and economy soften, the Fed's likely to step aside. And for the last five times that the Fed has gone from their last rate hike to their first rate cut, stocks have actually risen. And so once the Fed gets off to the side here, there's a decent chance that stocks will rally. Another reason to be a bit more optimistic is there's just a lot of pessimism out there. When everybody's expecting bad news, it's easy to, to exceed those expectations. Uh, and so you have a lot of people right now that are hiding out in bonds and cash and all it takes is news to be less bad, and they'll have to you know, look to shift some of those assets over to equities. Uh, so we're getting a little bit more constructive just because it looks like the peak in rates and the peak in inflation is uh, right around the corner. Uh, that said, the recession and you know, the potential revisions downward in earnings, as David was talking about, will probably lead to a lot of volatility this year. Uh, and so while we're a bit more constructive, we do acknowledge that the year might be a bit bumpy, uh, a bit challenging. We'd also say that, you know, the equity risk premiums probably reduced. So the, over the last decade, if you think about stocks versus bonds, you know, U.S. stocks returned about 10 percent and bonds returned about 1 percent. So you really got a lot of excess reward for being in equities. If you think about that moving forward with interest rates a lot higher, you know, we might be looking at a decade ahead where you get paid, you know, seven or eight percent to be in equities 
uh, but are able to return around four to five percent in bonds. So that spread between what stocks will do and what bonds will do is likely to tighten. Uh, within stocks, we're really looking at overseas leadership now, too. Uh, you know, we've been in an environment where the U.S. has led for a long period of time, and that looks like it's shifting. So last year, the S&P 500 was down 18%. So U.S. stocks were down about 18%. Foreign equities were down 14 And so we saw better performance out of foreign stocks than U.S. And a lot of that's due to the dollar peaking. So the dollar over the last three months has lost about 9%. And that's been consistent with when interest rates peaked. When the 10-year note peaked, the dollar peaked at about the same time. And so a weaker dollar tends to be good for foreign stocks. And that's really continued here the first part of this year. So far, year to date, we've seen international up about 4.5%, U.S. stocks up about 2%. So pretty good leadership here that's been consistent out of foreign equities. Uh, so we're really expecting a better year out of stocks just due to that you know, peak in inflation, peak in rates, uh, a lot of pessimism that has the bar set pretty low and easier to exceed here at the beginning of, of 2023. Uh, and then also leadership that's likely to come uh, from overseas as it does appear that you know the, uh, the dollar has peaked uh, along with that peak in, in the 10-year note. Thanks, John. Great information. So given all that's been shared, what specific items or trends are the JMBA Investment Committee focusing on to navigate whatever 2023 has in store? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I, I think it's, you know, one or two data points does not a trend make. And so I think what we're really paying attention to here, certainly over the first month or two of the year, is the same things that you know, we're, we're dominant last year, inflation. Is inflation truly continuing to come down? And given that trajectory, at what point during the year may we get to where the Fed's comfortable that they can slow down or stop altogether? Uh, they did in December uh, slow from 75 basis points to 50. So they began that but what they've been desperately afraid of is going back to the last regime of inflation is that they stop, inflation comes back, and it's even you know more uh, perverse than it was the first time. So they want to be extra sure that they're seeing multiple data points of both inflation and the economy before they you know really slam on the brakes and either stop altogether uh, or you know, possibly, and this is a whole different issue, but, you know, go the other way. That goes to my next point is, are we going to experience a recession? Are we already in that process? Uh, is it going to be mild? Is it going to be severe? What are the repercussions? Where are the places to hide out? That sort of thing, because I think that that's the next sort of domino to fall in all of this is how much of an impact does all of this interest rate tightening have uh, on the economy? And then from a portfolio perspective, and I don't want to be you know too exhaustive, I'm sure John and, and David have a couple ideas in here too, but a continuation of what John talked about before is, you know, is international and emerging markets as asset classes going to take the reins and keep them for a period of time from a risk return perspective. 
we've seen fits and starts here and there where it does gain leadership and then you know something happens. It was COVID in 2020. It was the rise of the dollar last year, things that you know put the brakes on that a little bit. But we really do feel, as do a lot of the major institutions and research firms, that international emerging markets are going to be one of the better places from a risk return perspective over the next three to five to 10 years. And so, you know, validation of something like that will be important. But those are only a couple items that we're paying attention to. I know there are others. And, uh, and John or David can probably talk about a couple of those. Well, I would certainly echo Mike's point about international being an attractive area for investors with a very long-term horizon. Um, I, I think just given the dominance of the U.S. over the last decade, it's put valuations at a relative level at pretty extreme um, comparisons versus their international brethren. But in terms of more like 2023 what would be a couple of good ideas? I think dividend paying stocks do very well in an uncertain environment. They tend to do very well when you see protracted inflation. Um, and, and if you think about this year being a volatile market, as we've talked about a little, dividend paying stocks offer a cushion to investors that is a lot less volatile than the price component of stock fluctuations. And so for those interested in dampening volatility as well as reducing downside risk in the portfolio, I think those could form a large chunk of one's uh, stock allocation in an environment where they're somewhat nervous and you can play both offense and defense uh, with that type of stock category. Uh, and then lastly, I just think, you know, now that we've got sort of a normalized type of environment again, where the cost of money is no longer free, uh, government debt ceilings, government deficits are going to be back in the news quite a bit. And, you know, for investors that are a little bit worried about how that might play out, gold has been an effective hedge in the long run, really against uh, monetary excessiveness that, that might not be sustainable. And so um, our ability to service government debt is somewhat dependent on the relationship between uh, the growth in incomes and the level at which uh, interest rates are set at. So as long as the Fed keeps hiking, that might represent more of a challenge. And so investors that do have a healthy chunk of their portfolio in stocks might want to consider some of those hedges. Yeah, one idea, Mike and David, too, that I'd maybe add is, you know, moving down in, in company size, right? We've had this period where mega cap stocks have really performed well, you know, multi-trillion dollar companies like Apple, Google, Amazon, you know, we know the household names. And we're really at an extreme right now of valuation difference between large caps and small caps. And so moving down in company size uh, is small cap stocks tend to lead coming out of a recession. And so it might be a little bit early right now as we're maybe just heading into that. But with a major gap in valuations uh, between large and small and large cap stocks now starting to lag a bit, uh, you know, small cap stocks are starting to look more attractive and when the turn comes could perform really well. Yeah, one, one additional item, and I'd hate to miss this because it's been such a hot button over the last year plus is the role of bonds in the portfolio. And after a year like 2022, people may feel like I never want to own another bond again because it you know, wasn't uh, what I thought it was going to be. It didn't play the role that I thought it was going to and so on. Well, that's all because interest rates were at zero and there wasn't anything there to provide ballast to when the contribution really was 
was flat. Well, now we have interest rates at three and four and five and six percent. So kind of that return of the diversified 60-40 portfolio, we're starting to see some articles catch up to that. But even as recently as last month or the month before, you'd hear all oh, the death of the 60-40 portfolio. And is that going to provide investors with the return that they need going forward? Well, I would argue now is a much better time going forward for a strategy like that than it was a year ago. Great insight. And again, a terrific conversation. 2022 was a challenge. We look at 2023 as a great opportunity. Thank you, David, John, and Mike for this great discussion today. And thank you very much for joining us today. I hope you will visit jmba.com and tune into our other videos and podcasts where we cover both investments and financial life planning topics. Thank you for your continued trust in JMBA, not just as your financial advisor, but also your advocate. Please reach out if you need anything at all. You can find our contact information at jmba.com. Important disclosure information. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Therefore, it should not be assumed that future performance of any specific investment or investment strategy, including the investments and or investment strategies recommended and or undertaken by JMBA financial advisors or any non-investment related services, will be profitable, equal any historical performance levels, be suitable for your portfolio or individual situation, or prove successful. A copy of our current written disclosure brochure discussing our advisory services and fees is available upon request. The scope of the services to be provided depends upon the needs of the client and the terms of the engagement. Please see important disclosure information at www.jmba.com disclosure.